0: CHAPTER ONE OF FLOWING GOLD. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Richard Kilmer, Rio Medina, Texas. FLOWING GOLD by Rex Beach Room service at the Ajax is of a quality befitting the newest, the largest, and the most expensive hotel in Dallas. While the standard of excellence is uniformly high, nevertheless some extra care usually attaches to a breakfast ordered from the governor's suite. Most elegant and most expensive of all the suites. Hence the waiter checked over his card and made a final fluttering examination to be sure that the chilled fruit was chilled and that the hot plates were hot, before he rapped on the door. A voice, loud and cheery, bade him enter. Would the gentleman wish his breakfast served in the parlor, or? No, the gentleman would have it right in his bedroom. But first, where were his cigarettes? He hoped, above all things, that the waiter had not forgotten his cigarettes. Some people began their day with cold showers, nothing less than a cruel shock to a languid nervous system. An atrocious practice, the speaker called it, a relic of barbarism, a fetish of ignorance. Much preferable was a hygienic, stimulating cigarette, which served the same purpose and left no deleterious after-effects. The pajama-clad guest struck a light, inhaled with abundant satisfaction, and then cast a hungry eye over the contents of the rubber-tired breakfast table. He, too, tested the temperature of the melon and felt the cover of the toast plate. "'Splendid!' he cried. "'Nice rooms, prompt service. A pleasant-faced waiter. Why, I couldn't fare better in my best club. Thanks to you, my first impression of Dallas is wholly delightful.' He seated himself in a padded boudoir chair, unfolded a snowy serviette, and attacked his breakfast with the enthusiasm of a perfectly healthy animal. Is this your first visit here, sir? Absolutely. Dallas is as foreign to me as Lahasa. It's the Baghdad of my dreams, and its streets are strange. Perhaps they're full of adventure for me, I hope so. Anything exciting can happen in a town where one has neither friends nor acquaintances, huh? You are a well-read man, I take it? I? Why? At any rate, you have heard it said that this is a small world. Yes, sir. Good. I merely wish to deny authorship of the saying, for it is false. This is a large world. What is more, it is a world full of cities like Dallas, where men like you and me, heaven be praised, have neither friends, acquaintances, nor relatives. In that respect, it is a fine world, and we should devoutly give thanks for its Dallases and its dalsations. Jove, this ham is delicious. The waiter was accustomed to morning talkers, but this gentleman was different. He had an air of consequence, and his voice so deep, so well-modulated, so pleasant, invested him with unusual distinction. Probably he was an actor, but no not in the governor's suite. More likely, he was one of the big men of the Standard or the Gulf or the Texas. To make sure, the waiter inquired, "'May I ask if you are in oil, sir?' "'In oil? Bless me, what a nauseating question at this hour of the day. "'Most everybody here is in oil. We turn dozens away every day. We're that full. It's the boom. I'm in oil myself.' In a small way, of course. It's like this. Sometimes, gentlemen like, well, like you, sir, give me tips. They drop a hint, like, about their stocks, and I've done well in a small way, of course. It doesn't cost them anything, and some of them are very kind. You'd really be surprised. Oh, not at all, the occupant of the governor's suite leaned back in his chair and smiled widely. As a matter of fact, I am flattered, for it is evident that you are endowed with the money-making instinct, and that you unerringly recognize it in others. Very well. I shall see what I can do for you. But while we are on the subject of tips, would you mind helping yourself to a dollar out of my trousers' pocket?' The waiter proceeded to do as directed, but a moment later announced, apologetically, "'Here's all I find, sir.' It's mostly pennies. He exposed a handful of small coins. Look at my coat, if you will. But the second search resulted as had the first. Strange, murmured the guest without rising. I must have been robbed. I remember now. A fellow crowded me as I left my train. Mm, robbed. At the very gates of Baghdad. Dallas is a city of adventure. Please add your tip to the check and make it two dollars. I'd like to have you serve me every morning, for I cannot abide an acid face at breakfast. It sours my whole day. Calvin Gray finished his breakfast, smoked a second cigarette, as he scanned the morning paper. Then he dressed himself with meticulous care. He possessed a tall, erect, athletic form. His perfectly fitting clothes had that touch of individuality Affected by a certain few of New York's exclusive tailors. And when he finally surveyed himself in the glass, there was no denying the fact that he presented an appearance of unusual distinction. As he turned away, his eyes fell upon the scanty handful of small coins which the waiter had removed from his pocket, and for a moment he stared at them reflectively. Then he scooped them into his palm and, with a smile, announced to his image it would seem that it is time for us to introduce ourselves to the management he was humming a tune as he strolled out of his richly furnished quarters the governor's suite at the ajax is on the mezzanine floor at the head of the grand staircase as gray descended the spacious marble steps he saw that the hotel was indeed doing a big business for already the lobby was thickly peopled and at the desk a group of new arrivals were plaintively arguing with a bored and supercilious room clerk. Some men possess an effortless knack of commanding attention and inspiring courtesy. Calvin Gray was one of these. Before many moments he was in the manager's office explaining suavely, Now that I have introduced myself, I wish to thank you for taking care of me upon such short notice. It was the only space we had. If you wish, I'll have your rooms changed as soon as. Have you something better? Haviland, the manager, laughed and shook his head. Scarcely. That suite is our pet and our pride. There's nothing to beat it in the whole Southwest. It is very nice. May I inquire the rate? Twenty-five dollars a day. Quite reasonable, Mr. Gray beamed his satisfaction. It's the only suite we have left. We put beds in the parlors of the others, and frequently we have to double up our guests. This oil excitement is a blessing to us poor innkeepers. I presume it's oil that brings you here. Gray met the speaker's interrogatory gaze with a negative shake of the head and a smile peculiarly noncommittal. No, he declared, I'm not in the oil business, and I have no money to invest in it. I don't even represent a syndicate of eastern capitalists. On the contrary, I am a penniless adventurer who chance alone has cast upon your hospitable grand staircase. These words were spoken with a suggestion of mock modesty that had precisely the effect of a deliberate wink, and Mr. Haviland smiled and nodded his complete comprehension i get you said he and you're right the lease hounds will devil you to death if you gave them a chance now then is there any way in which i can be of service there is gray's tone was at once businesslike. please give me the names of your leading bankers i mean the strongest and the most well discreet during the next few minutes Gray received and swiftly tabulated in his mind a deal of inside information, usually denied to the average stranger. The impression his swift searching questions made upon the hotel manager was evident when the latter told him as he rose to go. "'Don't feel that you have to identify yourself at the banks today. If we can accommodate you, cast a check or the like.' "'Thank you,' the caller shook his head and smiled his appreciation of the offer. Your manner of conducting a hotel impresses me deeply, and I shall speak of it to some of my eastern friends. Live executives are hard to find." It is impossible to analyze or to describe the quality of magnetic charm, which we commonly term personality. Nevertheless, it is the most potent influence in our social and our business lives. It is a gift of the gods, and most conspicuous successes in whatever line are due to it. Now and then comes an individual who is cold, even repellent, and yet who rise to full accomplishment by reason of pure intellectual force or strength of character. But nine times out of ten, the man who gets ahead, be he merchant, banker, promoter, or crook, does so, by reason of this abstract asset this intangible birthright gray possessed that happy quality it had made itself felt by the waiter who brought his breakfast and by the manager of the hotel its effect was equally noticeable upon the girl behind the cigar counter where he next went an intimate word or two and she was in a flutter she sidetracked her chewing gum COMPLETELY IGNORED HER OTHER CUSTOMERS, AND HELPED THEM SELECT A HANDFUL OF HER CHOICEST SIXTY-CENT HAVANAS. WHEN HE FINALLY DECIDED TO HAVE HER SEND THE REST OF THE BOX OF FIFTY UP TO HIS ROOM AND sign FOR THEM, SHE CONSIDERED THE TRANSACTION A TRIBUTE TO HER BEAUTY, RATHER THAN TO HER ABILITY AS A SALESWOMAN. HER ADMIRING EYES FOLLOWED HIM CLEAR ACROSS THE LOBBY. Even the blasé bell-captain, by virtue of his calling a person of few enthusiasms and no illusions, edged up to the desk and inquired the name of the distinguished stranger from the North. Gray appeared to know exactly what he wanted to do, for he stopped at the telephone booths, inquired the number of the leading afternoon newspaper, and put in a call for it. When it came through, he asked for the city editor. He closed the soundproof door before voicing his message. Then he began rapidly, City editor? Well, I'm from the Ajax Hotel, and I have a tip for you. I'm one of the room clerks. Listen, Calvin Gray is registered here. Got in last night on gumshoes. Gray, Calvin Gray. Better shoot a reporter around and get a story. You don't? Well, other people know him. He's a character, globetrotter, soldier of fortune, financier. He's been everywhere and done everything. And you can get a great story if you've got a man clever enough to make him talk. But he won't loosen easily. Oil, I suppose. But? Sure, undercover, mystery stuff. Another big syndicate, probably. Oh, that's all right. I'm an old newspaper man myself. Don't mention it. All American cities these days are much the same. Character, atmosphere, distinctiveness have been squeezed out in the general mold. For all Calvin Gray could see, as he made his first acquaintance with Dallas, he might have been treading the streets of Los Angeles, of Indianapolis, of Portland, Maine, or of Portland, Oregon. A California brightness and a Florida warmth to the air, a New England alertness to the pedestrians, a Manhattan majesty to some of the newer office buildings. These were the most outstanding of his first impressions. Into the largest and newest of these buildings Gray went, a white tile and stone skyscraper, the entire lower floor of which was devoted to an impressive banking room. He sent his card into to the President, and spent perhaps ten minutes with that gentleman. He had called merely to get acquainted. So, he explained, he wished to meet only the heads of the strongest financial institutions. He had no favors to ask, as yet, and he might have no business whatever with them. On the other hand, well, he was a slow and careful investigator, but when he moved it was with promptitude and vigor, and in such an event he wished them to know who he was. Meanwhile he desired no publicity and he hoped his presence in Dallas would not become generally known it might seriously interfere with his plans before he left the bank gray had met the other officers and from their manner he saw that he had created a decided impression upon them the bank president himself walked with him to the marble railing then said i'd like to have you wait and meet my son lieutenant roswell He's just back from overseas, and... The boy served with some distinction. A father's pride, you understand. Was Lieutenant Roswell in France? Gray inquired quickly. Oh, yes. He'll be in at any minute. A shadow of regret crossed the caller's face. I'm sorry, but I've arranged to call on the mayor, and I've no time to lose. What unit was your son with? the ninety-eighth field artillery the shadow fled mr gray was vexed at the necessity for haste but he would look forward to meeting the young hero later and meanwhile roswell senior said warmly if we can be of service to you please feel free to call upon us i dare say we'd be safe in honoring a small check he laughed pleasantly and clapped his caller on the back a fine man, Gray decided, as he paused outside the bank, and here was another offer to cash a check, the second this morning. Good address, and an expensive tailor, certainly did count. With them as capital, a man could take a profit at any time. Gray's fingers strayed to the small change in his trousers' pocket, and he turned longing eyes back toward the bank interior. Without a doubt it was a temptation especially inasmuch as at that moment his well manicured right hand held in its grasp every cent that he possessed this was not the first time he had been broke on the contrary during his younger days he had more than once found himself in that condition and had looked upon it as an exciting experience as a not unpleasant form of adventure to be strapped in a mining camp for instance was no more than a mild embarrassment but to find oneself thirty-eight years old friendless and without funds in a city the size of dallas well that was more than an adventure and it afforded a sort of excitement that he believed he could very well do without dallas was no open-handed frontier town it was a small new york where life is settled where men are suspicious and where fortunes are slow in the making. He wondered now if hard, fast-living had robbed him of the punch to make a new beginning. He wondered, too, if the vague plans at the back of his mind had anything to them, or if they were entirely impracticable. Here was opportunity, definite concrete and spelled with a capital O. Here was a deliberate invitation to avail himself of a shortcut out of his embarrassment. A mere scratch of a pen, and he would have money enough to move on to some other Dallas, and there gain the start he needed. Enough, at least, so that he could tip his waiter and pay cash for his coronas. Businessmen were too gullible, anyhow. It would be a good lesson to Roswell and Haviland. Why not? Calvin Gray started. He recoiled slightly. The abstracted stare was wiped from his face, for an officer in uniform had brushed past him and entered the bank. That damned khaki again, those service stripes, they were forever obtruding themselves, it seemed. Was there no place where one could escape the hateful sight of them? His chain of thought had been snapped, and he realized that there could be no shortcut for him. He had climbed through the ropes, taken his corner, and the gong had rung. It was now a fight to a finish. With no quarter given, he squared his shoulders and set out for the hotel, where he felt sure he would find a reporter awaiting him. End of Chapter One